I'm Leslie Torres. And I'm Bronna Marks. And together we co-host West Coast Mix and Bounce. For all things West Coast NBA. That's right. We cover the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and yes, the Kings and the Suns. When there's something good to talk about. We have a new and fun episode every two weeks where we break down the craziest headlines in the NBA that pertain to the West Coast teams. We are such a niche podcast that you won't find anywhere else. I mean, two girls with experience in the field talking West Coast basketball. Um, yeah, you want to listen. This is West Coast Mix and Bounce brought to you by LAFB Network. Hey guys, welcome back. We are mid-round one of the NBA playoffs. Uh, Fans are returning to stands, and we are back in your ears for another episode. (laughs) Um, And we actually have a special guest, so make sure you stick Mm -hmm. around for that later. Um, But right now, Leslie and I are going to tackle what's going on with the Clippers. (laughs) Yeah, the series is tied as of today, 2-2. Which was, yep. I think, was a little bit unexpected because the Mavs got in 2-0 lead. Um, but it kind of makes makes us ask that question, right, Bronna? Like, what happened with the Clippers? <laughs> what, yeah. Was this the actual reason that they tanked for to be, like, 0-2 in the series but somehow have managed to make their way back? <laughs> yeah, somehow is really the key word here. <laughs> um, because I think the first two games... I, I, I don't know. Honestly, um, it, it gave me flashbacks, but we're not there yet. We're not going to talk about the flashbacks. But <laughs> um, in game one, you know, first off, Luka Doncic's unstoppable. 31 Crazy. points, 10, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, like some kind of triple-double record that he set. Um, just amazing player overall. But not only that, his backup guys or, you know, his co-stars, Hardaway, Finney, Smith, Chris Sapp, they all were in double digits. Six six Dallas players um, with 15-plus points, and they shot almost, like, nearly 50%, like, scary, from the three-point line. So what that says to me, one, and we've said it before, is defense. There mm-hmm. was no defense both games (laughs) there is honestly I was like getting ready for today's podcast and the episode and I'm just just looking at the scores all around the playoffs there is really no defense except for the Lakers which or the Lakers series which we will get into but how do you let you know Luka Dantich score 31 points get 10 rebounds and 11 assists a triple double in the first game and then you like you mentioned you have Christoph Porzingis going off for 14 points and four rebounds and yes your stars Paul George and Kawhi are also contributing but there's like that's it there was no team effort unlike the Mavs who had just contributing in these four first three three games so um yeah I, defense has not been <laughs> the Clippers main skill but luckily, they managed to kind of turn this around in game three and four. What do you think is the main reason or what do you, what do you think they did to kind of turn this train around? Man, honestly, the biggest difference that I saw, such a minute detail, but they have adjusted their starting lineup. Mm. And that has been to the key, the key to why we got to a point where in game four, the Clippers were blowing out the maps like they didn't just lose two in a row. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in game three, right, they switched 
Patrick Beverly out, who has been low scoring, definitely as a starter. Um, and we all know that mm. if your starters are not out there, you know, providing the energy that needs to be provided, then the bench is not, you know, that energy is going to match the bench. So I think it was really smart of Ty Lue to get in there, switch Pat Bev for Jackson, Reggie Jackson, who has been actually scoring higher off of the bench. Um, and when he came into game three, he had 16 points, which really helped. Um, and he also shot four of 10 from three point land. And they were like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think like under 30% from the three point line, those first two games. So they rely on their shooting, obviously, because they have the best percentage overall shooting from behind the arc in the league. But just that those first two games, they just couldn't find that rhythm. And then in game four, they went even smaller. Um, and they put in Batum for Zubak. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Ty Lue was talking about, you know, Batum has a really certain kind of energy that he appreciates. So he threw him in the starting lineup. He had 10 points. And not only that, he played hard defense on Luka and he only had 19 points that game so the adjustments have been like the smartest tactic because it really looked like they weren't going to make it out safe yeah. <laughs> no yeah they look like an entirely different team in the, in the next two games that we saw from them and I agree with you yes I will say like the moves that were made obviously helped but I also think it comes with um, Luka maybe not being a hundred percent I think he's been a little bit like I'm not trying to be a Clippers hater. I'm really not. <laughs> but yeah, like, if we need that perspective, though, we need that perspective, right? But if we're gonna be completely honest, the Clippers got a little bit lucky with Luka Doncic not feeling a hundred percent himself. I mean, mm. in Game Three, you can see like he was in sort in some sort of pain, right? He was like moving his shoulder around and like yeah. just like kept touching that neck area and like. And still, somehow, he managed to get himself 44 points. But mm -hmm. I, but it just, you know, I feel like if it wasn't really for that injury or whatever, whatever's going on with Dantich, because we really, really don't know. He might play, I think, um, next game. I don't know. But I feel like if his play wasn't not that affected by that injury, I'm not sure how much momentum the Clippers would have gotten. Because in Game 1 and Game 2... Dantich was not affected at all, like you mentioned, by Patrick Beverly, which they took which they took him out. Uh, he had no issue with Marcus Morris. And like even there was I would I watched the games. There was even times when Kawhi would guard him and they would go one on one and Doncic was like, Kawhi who? and just shoot over him. And I was like, yeah. Oh my goodness, like who is this player? But I I do agree that yeah, like I do agree that the the changes made helped, but I feel like maybe that injury maybe kind of like, oh, well, if he's already down, we can kick him while he's down and let's just keep going hard, which I think is what the Clippers did and as they should. Like, if you're going to be a smart team, you might as well get them while they're down. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, like, and I, don't really, I really don't want to take away anything from the Clippers because they are, you know, the fifth seed. They worked really hard to get there. <laughs> and I will give a lot of credit to Kawhi. I feel like he's been the most consistent for the Clippers this entire series. He's everywhere and I think he's really the main reason why the Clippers managed to stay in the game and now be you know what two and two and yeah. it's like it's no hate either to Paul George because he's been okay Definitely. but last game I think that's when they really hit their peak as like that duo and um I'm excited to actually see game five because I feel like this is the moment where they're gonna either sink or just make it all the way yeah I mean Paul George has been 
quiet, I think. A like, it's just bit. okay. It's not it's not above average as we kind of expect him yeah. to be, right? I mean, he's teetering a little bit on the <laughs> pandemic P. Just, just a tiny bit, but, you know, like, I guess it's better than last year. So we'll give him that step up. <laughs> but um, if they really, like, you know, say if Luca comes back and hopefully, you know, he's healthy, because it's always hard, obviously, to see a player go down during playoffs when, they, you know, they're, they want to yeah. fight their hardest. But, you know, hopefully Luca does come back healthy as when he can. Um, and then if they have that kind of battle again, it's just like, is somebody going to step up, <clears throat> Paul George, or are, you know, they just going to flatline? <laughs> that, that's um, true. But I think the points that I wrote down for the Clippers to win is that they really do either have to shut down Luca or say he can't come back. And they have to take, you know, better shots and they have to come out hard and fast because they've had really slow starts to their games and they get behind and they can't catch back up Mm -hmm. and all this dramatic. So, um, yeah, but we'll see what happens with the Clippers. Uh, But next on the list, obviously, is the Suns and the Lakers. Now, we're going to break this apart for you guys because we do have our special guest coming on. Uh, to talk specifically about Lakers. So you get best of both worlds. We're just going to break it down on both sides. Um, (laughs) And first, we're going to start with the Suns. Leslie, how do you feel about the Suns' performance versus Uh, the Lakers? Well, honestly, I feel like they've played not the best that they possibly could, but they really did start strong with that game one win I think everybody was worried about, like, what's going on, what's up with Anthony Davis. And I think the Suns just did a really good job of, like, kind of closing that down, like, to not allow the Lakers to get AD started early in the game. So the Suns deserve a lot of credit for that. Devin Booker was great. Chris Paul was great. DeAndre Aiden, like, can we talk about that for a minute? Who is this player? Where did this DeAndre Aiden come from? His playoff play has been the best of his career, like ever. Like, and if you've if you've heard of if you heard us before, we always kind of grind on Aiden. Like, he needs to be more consistent. Like, one day he'll have a great night, exactly. And then Mm -hmm. look at him just. And it's been consistent. It's been four games in a row, Brana. Like, yeah. I'm shook. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he has been, like, their secret superpower, I feel like. Because, like you said, we've been talking about, like, we know that he's capable of doing better. We've seen mm-hmm. it. It can be consistent. He can do it. And for the last three games, he's had, like, a double-double, I think. Yeah. So... To see him getting to the boards and being that guy in the paint, like, I feel like he's finally found his identity of, you know, what it feels like. And also, obviously, to have that Chris Paul kind of matchup, that the Mm -hmm. oops that they have together and just the pick and rolls. And, like, he just knows where he's at on the floor now. And I feel like he picked the perfect time, like, you know? (laughs) What 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 best time to show off your skills than like on national television in the playoffs? It's, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like night and day, honestly, because it's been so surprisingly consistent, and I feel like this is kind of the level Chris Paul wanted him to get on, and he's finally there, and against LeBron James and against Anthony Davis, like taking him one on one on the paint, like he doesn't look scared at all. Maybe a little bit on yeah. defense, but 
besides that, like, he doesn't look scared. He's not scared if it's Andre Drummond, if it's AD, or whatever other big they got on him. He's Aiden is looking very unstoppable right now. Just not the same Aiden we kind of known to watch. Yes, definitely. And we also have to remember, I mean, he's so young. He's only yes. 22. Mm-hmm. You know, he was drafted just a few years ago. First pick, though. Mm-hmm. First pick. First round. So, obviously, he wasn't picked for no reason. And wow, also to think, wow, the Suns are winning games in the playoffs. And two years ago, they had the first pick. That's crazy. <laughs> in, the, in the draft. So, just to think, like, how far the Suns have come is, like, wow, mind-blowing. Um, but like you said, and Booker obviously still scoring his like mm-hmm. 30 points or, um, so during at least good games during game one, you know, he had 31, um, and then game two, he had 31 granted that was a loss. Um, and then game three, I think we kind of saw like obviously some weaknesses from the Suns. Mm-hmm. Now granted, game one was also against the Lakers when they had to come out of that fight with the Warriors which is first, let's just acknowledge that for like a minute. Okay? <laughs> let's go back. It feels like so long ago. <laughs> I know. Just give us 90 seconds that we never, we didn't talk about it. I know you watched it. So like emotions. I felt like I was going to rip my heart out. <laughs> it was an intense game. I remember my mom just being like, shut up already. I was like, I can't. I can't. It's like too much. Like, you don't even understand what's on the line, mom. <laughs> like, right? yeah. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, the Lakers won. The Warriors unfortunately lost to the Grizzlies. But it was such yeah. a good game. You can definitely see Curry just being Curry and, and just being the best shooter probably that we've seen. Or that at least yeah. I've seen, like, it was crazy how how it was so close. And now to see them come and play against the Suns, which we'll get into later. Um, yeah, that game was intense. Intense. I can't believe it. Maybe it yeah. kind of it kind of persuaded me towards the playing playing tournament a little bit. I was like so against it, obviously, because I was like, I don't <laughs> want my team to have to fight for it. They're already in the seventh seed. But yes. that <laughs> That kind of changed my mind, not going to lie. <laughs> no, I know, like, all of L.A. was probably, like, in a pressure point. <laughs> Ooh, we were <laughs> <Because> sweating. <laughs> it was just, just to see them drop from number two to number seven. Like, you know, at first they weren't going to be in the play-in, and then they was like, possibility of having to play two teams, and then it's just like, okay, who they got past Golden State, they're in, that's it, they'll figure it out from here. <laughs> like, at least we're past this point. But I do think... The playing is it's really good basketball, and you know if the NBA has the the budget to do that once a year, I think it's super exciting. Granted, the purpose was you know just because it's less games, they want to give everybody as much of a fair chance as they can. Now one or two extra games is not like big deal, but whatever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, if if they could bring that back, that would be great. But to see the Warriors, I just want to give props to them, to see them come at least that far, you know, at least get into the plan after everything that they've been through this year and fight. They fought really, really hard. Um, I just want to give my props to them, and I really hope that they, they get their time to shine. Now, watch me say this, and they're going to come back and dominate <laughs> for, like, four years, and I'm going to be like, all right, enough. This, <laughs> like, I, this is not the dynasty I asked for things. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Like, come back, win one ring, and then go back. Like, <laughs> let has, let somebody else have a try. If um, anything, the Warriors have shown us that it's probably possible. Exactly, exactly. But, okay, focus now. We're talking about the Suns. <laughs> um, so, the Suns, um, 
definitely showed some weaknesses in game three. Yes. And uh, what, do, what do you feel is like, I don't know, what is their kryptonite? Like right now the series is tied. Anything is possible. So how can the Suns win this? I think the Suns can, I think they can definitely outplay the Lakers if they just continue to be consistent and for example, we talked about Booker, we talked about Aiden, we talked about Chris Paul. There's also been other players that have been able to step up to the challenge, like Cameron Payne. He's been making his shots as well. And I feel like the only thing that's going to probably stop the Suns is the Lakers' defense. So I really don't want to get into it because I know we're going to talk about the Lakers later. When I watched the games, when they got away from them when they started to run the ball more quickly. They didn't wait to get set up. And that's, I think, where they they beat the Lakers at because they just they look scrambled on the defensive end. So I feel right. like that's probably going to be the way so they can help themselves make a little run so they don't get themselves that deep in. And then just... I, I think get close as possible as the games have been and didn't just run away with it, I think. They, who, who would they possibly have up next? Denver or Port or Portland, right? And those are another two difficult teams to guard. So I feel like, I don't know, their defense might have to step up as well. If the Suns can pull it off, which the only way they could is first, Chris Paul has to stay healthy because both games mm. that he was hurt and he didn't, you know, he wasn't alive, he wasn't awake on the floor, he didn't play a lot of minutes, um, and he didn't get a lot of points. That's a very good point. <laughs> or, I forgot about that. He's been playing so well, I forgot he potentially got injured. <laughs> yeah, so in the, in the last game, <clears throat> he was supposed to sit, but apparently there was an emotional conversation uh, with Monty Williams, so mm. he got to play, and during the post game, you know, it was like the whole idea of sitting, and he was like, hell no. Um, and he just kind of told the coach, he was like, just give me a few minutes, let's see how I'm playing, and then boom, he went off. He got 18 points, 9 assists, and they had that really, really close win, um, 192, and not only does Chris Paul, because we always talk, Chris Paul is good on both sides of the floor, right? Mm -hmm. So, and the and the right after halftime when AD went out, they had a 32-15 to 15 run. Now, we're going to talk about how the Lakers attempted to come back, but um, they held the Lakers to 15 points in the third quarter. This was right after AD left. Um, so the fact that they can be that powerful mm -hmm. on on both sides of the floor, like when they have a weak spot, like they take full advantage of it. So we can see that, you know, they are quickly capable of adjusting and figuring it out. It's just kind of like, what strengths and weaknesses are going to play, play out like in both teams. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, if Chris Paul stays healthy, um, I think if they stop the Lakers shooters, like let's just say health doesn't play a factor and they just stop uh, Lakers at the three-point line, which is what they did in both of those games where they lost, mm -hmm. um, and just shut down their, their big men. Because this is actually a thing that I didn't really pay attention to, but the Clippers, I mean the, sorry, the Suns are really outsized by the Lakers. Mm -hmm. But the Lakers don't use their big men like how they how they could, let's say. Yeah. Like they have the ability to do that, but it's not really like how they function. Um, so if the if the Suns could play defense like that, they're as long as their defense is really hard and health aside, then they could definitely move on now. 
beyond that, I, I think that they have the capability of improving with each series. Um, but this series is exhausting. <laughs> like, I'm exhausted. Everybody's exhausted. They're already tied. It's a lot going on, okay? <laughs> um, people are getting hurt. People are coming back. People are playing while they're hurt. Who knows what's happening? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I say, because honestly, I'm going to just be hurt if the Lakers lose. But if the Suns win, then they got to go all the way. I got to cheer for them the whole time because that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it makes sense. On You, you were right about, like, the... The Lakers are a pretty big team compared to the Suns. And mm-hmm. maybe, I feel like depending on how AD um, feels, they're going to have to make adjustments to that, which can either be better for the Suns because it's going to be easier to guard them. At least that paint area is going to be easier, and that's going to be easier for Aiden to just take over. So I can definitely see that helping them. But right. they also, I feel like maybe there are a younger team and they need to clean some stuff up, like turnovers, you know, just stuff like that. Like, Booker got a technical, Crowder got a technical. But, like, uh, stuff yeah, like that, I think, like, they were going on a nice run during that game. If that didn't happen, it probably would have been a lot closer or the Suns could have gotten the win. But some, I think little mistakes like that kind of might be um, what prevents them going for the, all the way. So I feel like mm-hmm. if they can clean those things up, there's potential for the Suns, definitely. Yeah, I've... I've- Fully agree with that. If they the chippiness, like they, you got to be a mature team to get all the way. You know, fl- tensions will flare and stuff like that. But you can't be like knocking people out of midair. And, you know, like I mean, you can on. do that. Just don't do it with five fouls. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, risk it all. Do what you need. I want some action. I need some drama. Like, go ahead, but just don't do it with with five fouls on on you. Right? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't hurt players. <laughs> Even like, but I'm pretty sure it was unintentional. Um, Let's hope so. I don't know. They'd be a little. The sun. The sun's always been. It's a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They got a little. They got a little kick to them. They got some spice. Well, then I think this is the perfect spot to take a break. When we come back, we're gonna have our guest Nicolette Rojo with us to talk about Lakers basketball. All right, guys, so we are going to jump into our last segment of this episode, and we have a very, very special guest for you. Her name is Nicolette Rojo. She works for Fox Sports. She's a freelance digital video specialist, so hit her up for your favorite video editing things that you need. (laughs) Um, And she's also in sports management uh, as a grad student at the University of San Francisco. So we love it. Sis is getting her degree and she's working hard in the game. And we are going to talk Lakers. So, Nicolette. All right. First off, thank you, both of you ladies, for having me on. I'm excited to talk about the Lakers, even though the last game was not so exciting, but we'll go into that. And <laughs> um, So what do you feel is going on as far as their chances to make it out of the series? So series tied, lots of ups, lots of downs. Um, tell us how you're feeling. I'm feeling, I originally had them winning in six, and while I still do, I'm a little less optimistic with Anthony Davis going down. Mm-hmm. Because going and heading into game one, they lost by nine, score of 99-90. That one was expected because, for one, the Suns, they're entering a full co- full capacity arena in Phoenix. No one has really has dealt with 
that pretty much the entire year, for the past year. And this is the Suns' first playoff game since 2010 when both teams actually happened to be in the Western Conference Finals and the Lakers won 4-2. Mm-hmm. Last fast forward to a little over a decade later, we here we are at the same time, except in the first round. So I expect that then, and plus LeBron James and Coach Frank Vogel, they tend to, quote-unquote, feel things out a little bit. And game one, for example, was something, almost everything went wrong. For example, Anthony Davis, yes, he had 13 points, 7 boards, and 2 assists, a few blocks, but he had a minus 18 in point and plus minus. Mm-hmm. Cannot have that. That was when the whole internet, all, every reporter, every where you saw, everyone was calling him soft. And <laughs> ADD. <just Yeah>. Like, <laughs> we all saw that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that was, like Michael that was Jordan. tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like Michael Jordan, how he took it seriously, mm-hmm. so did AD. And he came back in game two, finishing with 34 points, 7 of 15, shooting 18 from 21 from the foul line, 10 boards and 7 assists, and 3 blocks, and a 109-102 Lakers win. And that was the crucial part was, at least you're not going to stop a guy, for example, like Devin Booker. You're not going to shut him down, but at least get into a tough, a tough environment such as Phoenix, the number two seed, at least split up the series. That way you go back to L.A. and hopefully you tidy things up a bit. They got the job done in game three, really got the job done. Also scored 109 points compared to the Suns' 95. They had a lot of fun. The bench was cracking up wild. LeBron James kept toying with Jay Crowder. The ending concerned me a little bit because they had a little too much fun, even with Chris Paul's injury playing a big factor, and it, the Suns also took that personally, heading into Game 4, which this this was yesterday afternoon, and yes, the Suns only scored 100 points. The Lakers lost by 8, finishing with 92, and AD, but AD gets injured and leaves the game right as the first half was about to conclude due to that groin injury. KCP, was Contavious Caldwell-Pope, was also out, Mm-hmm. as well this game was the one that was concerning because not even throughout the series it's not just their it wasn't really their defense their defense has shown they could do it they can do it this Suns team is known to be a very high proficient score even when cp3 is healthy with guys like devin booker yandre ayton cameron Payne, cameron johnson and Definitely. a bunch of jay crowder and that's so cool. I'm not concerned with their defense. It's their offense that's mm-hmm. real. That's really going to concern me. I yeah. agree with you. <laughs> it's it's a lot. The last four games they've shown how powerful their defense is. Um, like I was telling Brana, I was getting research ready, and throughout the whole playoffs, you know, you have the Nets scoring 141 points, and you have the Celtics scoring at 126. Like, where is the defense? And then you compare it to the Lakers who lost, who kept the Suns to 102, and then they still lost. So I feel like 
defense is definitely not their problem. It's making shots and making the open shots that should be easy mm-hmm. for them is what they're not getting through. And like, and I'll put them on the spot. Like Alex Caruso is great at passing. He's great on defense, but can't make a shot. Like then you have Kyle Kuzma, who's doing like obviously all the dirty work, rebounding, running back on time to defend, can't make an open three. And then you have KCP, like you mentioned, Nicolette, who's struggling out there offensively. It's not their defense, it's their offense, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, both of y'all. Um, it's been hard for the Lakers, definitely. Um, they, considering all their injuries, coming as a number seven seed, um, when they were just number two, you know, and trying to figure out, one, a lineup, two, how they're going to play without their top two players, um, three, mm-hmm. how those players are going to be reignited into the lineup and how are they going to play off those injuries. Um, so I think the flow of their offense really speaks to the fact that, um, you know, they haven't had a lot of time to become mm-hmm. a championship team over mm-hmm. the last, let's say, I don't know, three weeks. <laughs> uh, so it's been a short amount of time for them to adjust. And it, it reads, you know, AD had a slow start uh, in game one. Only, like you said, people were calling him soft. Uh, it was definitely a soft production, I will say. <laughs> uh, but he came back and he scored, you know, 30-plus points. And that's the AD that we're used to seeing, mm-hmm. you know. they People want to say that the Lakers are LeBron, but mm, I'm starting to think otherwise. <laughs> uh, and it's really going to be a point in effect if, one, either AD could come back in a short time uh, amount of time and play, you know, that powerful because obviously it always takes an athlete a little bit of time to adjust. And it's like as close as this series is, how are they going to adjust that in that time span? Um, because right now it could go either way. Uh, I think that the Lakers, honestly, they can't shoot from the three uh, when the Suns are defending them. Um, and if they have their shooters out, they don't use me and Leslie were just talking about this. If they don't use their big men, they're technically oversized. If they don't use their big men to get in the paint, then how are they going to make up for the lack of shooting or mm-hmm. vice versa? You know, if one side of the floor is not playing as well, then the other side got to pick it up. And the Lakers are really going to have to find that identity to make it past the Suns because the Suns are a good team. <laughs> you know, you a few really years are, ago, yeah. no, not really. But, you know, so be it, they're a really great team right now. They have their pieces to their puzzle, and they're using it the way that they that they should be using it. So let's say, you know, the Lakers make it past the Suns. Mm-hmm. Do you think they continue to a championship? Can they, can they repeat a championship as a number seven seed? I think that's really the, the big question here. Realistically, some Laker fans may give me some flag for it, but personally, I don't think so. Just because this, I would, not this season, but specifically this playoff so far, even though it's pretty, it's very early, even if, let's say, they do get past the Suns, that's, a, that's great in general. In my opinion, that's already a good season because of all, as you mentioned, Brana, all the, se- the injuries they've had. And when you have a lot of injuries, your chemistry is not going to be there. So that's already a plus right there. But it also really just depends who they play the second round. They play the winner of the Portland and Denver series. And Denver is a better matchup 
for them because you have a guy like Marcus Saul who can defend Joker. Yes, mm-hmm. he can defend Nurkic, Portland, or at least Cantor, but then you have, I'm not putting down Denver whatsoever because Denver is still a great team, for example, without Jamal Murray. But mm-hmm. Portland Definitely. is better than they were last year. They have, you cannot count out Dame Dalla, cannot <laughs> count out CJ McCall, a healthy CJ McCollum, and you have Robert Covington, who on paper may not seem like that third star player, the big three, but he is crucial in every single way. He's big. He can defend a lot of players. He he opens up lanes for further guards, and he can shoot the three. Those guys can shoot. That's going to be a tougher matchup for the Lakers. I and it really all depends on, of course, AD's health mm-hmm. and especially LeBron's health too, because LeBron is still not 100% healthy with that high ankle sprain, and this season is so far is reminding me a little bit of uh, the 2018 Cavs, especially they keep going forward where Cavs finished fourth in the Eastern Conference and they were playing fantastic. Then a bunch of injuries happened along the way. Then they get swept by the Warriors. Yes, the Warriors were firepower, but still, basically you're going to ask, and I was talking about this with friends and a lot of the Fox Sports team was was talking about this as well. AD's injury, regardless of how he is, means that LeBron's going to have to carry the workload. Mm-hmm. And this is just personally my opinion. I still think, he, because he is LeBron, he's one of the greatest of all time, he can do it. But he's also 36. Coming off that high ankle sprain, it's going to be very tough. And their rope, and again, you both of you guys nailed on the, hit the nail on the coffin. They can't shoot behind three. They haven't shot above 32% from behind the arc all series, which is very concerning. Ooh, that's a good stat. Yes. I mean, that's a great stat, but it sucks for me as Lakers fan. (laughs) Yeah, no, when you brought up that 2018, though, that one really hurt. (laughs) You're like flashbacks. (laughs) I still feel this. Oh, my gosh. My my girlfriend called it. She was like, they're going to get swept. They can't do nothing. LeBron don't got nothing. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. And it happened, and I was very hurt. I watched every single game. (laughs) And I was hurt. I was disappointed. Okay, Mm -hmm. sorry. I had a flashback. but uh, Sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. Uh, But, yeah, Leslie, how, how do you feel about where they go from here? I agree with Nicolette. She said, like, LeBron can't carry the whole team on himself. And as long as nobody else steps up, I do not see them winning. Like, i probably go to Game 7, maybe, you know, because LeBron will will his way. <laughs> he won't lose without going down <laughs> without a fight. But, um, yeah, if no, no one can make that open shot, if nobody can actually help LeBron, it's going to be all on himself. If AD goes down, which is kind of looking like it, I don't think he's going to play in Game 5. They really just have to work offensively to, or get the players in that actually can make shots. I think they've had, like, some some success with Mecklemore and uh, Matthew, so maybe playing them more, but then you lose then then you lose defense when you put you put them on the game. So I feel like they just have I think this is where Vogel's time to shine to see what kind of lineup he prepares to be ready for the Suns offensively and for possibly not having A D. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't I don't think it's easy either. Uh all these teams we always said that the West is, you know, it's competitive. It's very competitive, and especially this year. Definitely much it more is. exciting games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, 
definitely much more exciting on this side of the bracket than the other side. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're not going to talk too much about that side. But uh, the West is where it's at. Uh, we got tight series is, on this side, yes. <laughs> yes, very tight. Not like extreme blowouts, maybe one or two, but not extreme. You know, mm. no sweeps. <laughs> like some some teams over here getting the ultimate rest, but you know, whatever. We're gonna leave that for for that side of the world. Uh, <laughs> but I think that the Lakers, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, it's odd. There's a lot of odds against them. <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and lie about it. Uh, I think best case scenario, if if AD does go out for like a long extended period of time, then Schroeder and Le- and LeBron need to get it together um, because they are the highest scoring out. Bes- um, besides AD, and if they can have some chemistry together, I think they can push them back. They can push them out further into um, the playoffs in general and maybe give AD a chance to come back and finish strong. I think that's the only the only thing that they have right now. Granted, this is kind of like an injury that is not new to AD, so that could either mean, one, that it's worse, or two, that he could rehab it quickly. Um, between Portland and Denver, uh, I honestly... I would love Portland to win. Uh, I think they are just really a better team this year. Even if the Lakers did have to play them, I think it would be a a solid seven-game series, and I think that would be exciting, and I think it would give both teams a chance to show the world who they truly are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even just thinking further out, uh, the Jazz look really scary, and I don't know who's going to get past them. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if the Lakers have that strength to even get that far, if they Mm -hmm. played a team at that caliber, um, if they could even get themselves into the championship. So I don't know. Kyle Kuzma is going to be very crucial to the series. We've seen about, I'm going to say three-ish, three and a half weeks ago, right before the play-in tournament started, they played Phoenix without AD, and they showed and they completely dominated, and this was with a healthy Chris Paul as well. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to count the Lakers out 100% yet because they could still build off what they've done from there. And, But, of course, I'm very sure, of course, I can't speak for him, but Monty Williams has got his guys getting it together, so I would, I know he's ready for those. But Kuzma's for sure going to be the X factor, for the not just for Game 5, but even going forward if they do get past the Suns because he's you don't have to have he doesn't have to be the guy to score twenty plus points a game mm-hmm. when a if especially if A D is there, he doesn't have to. As long as he's doing that dirty work, putting in the work, playing some de- good defense, you can and scoring eight ish points so you can even get away with less, that's fine. But with A D out, he needs to step up for sure. He, he last game, yes, he did score 11 points but he did have a mine he did he was in the minus again he was a minus 18 which that cannot happen and another notable stat in the lakers top win which is basically came three when they won by 14 points everyone in the starting lineup was in the plus status was at least a plus six and that's going to be crucial as well KCP, I'm not too sure what's the status on him, but even though his offense has been lacking this series, he's been really showing up on defense, especially against 
Devin Booker, mm-hmm. and he couldn't need that. The bench is all next man up, and LeBron's comments, I really liked his comments about saying about the shoulders comments, how he's up for the challenge. <laughs> but as we both, we all, as both of you ladies mentioned, someone else needs to step up. Kuzma's going to have to be there. Schroeder also needs to be consistent. He can't, he can't be solid in game two, scoring 20 plus points, and then go completely MIA the next. I agree with that. And there's also, I think, players that we haven't seen. So, like, Vogel started off the se- the series playing, like, Montrezl Herald, in which which we kind of just stopped seeing him in the last two games. <laughs> I feel like maybe now with AD possibly being down, we might see more of him. So I feel like I, I agree with Nicolette when she said that Vogel and James kind of, like, let the game go on and, like, just study how they play and then make their move. I think they studied game four. Now they're going to make their move in game five and see if it works for them. Uh, somebody has to step up. Definitely how, how all you guys said. We saw um, Harold step up when AD was out for those several weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Leslie talked about the fact that, you know, why is he six man still? Like, why isn't he in the starting lineup? He was the second leading scorer during that period. So we've seen it. We, we know that he knows how to play that role. Uh, I think... I don't, I don't know. I, I find it very interesting about the Kuzma situation because he has been like a last thought, I feel like, for me throughout this entire season because he's been so inconsistent. Um, mm. But who I actually really like for, like, I don't know, a magic factor is Caruso. I just he's, I just love him. so, And I think he can make some really clutch shots, especially from behind the arc, and he brings this different kind of uh, feeling to the floor. He's definitely really exciting, really fast, um, and just full of a lot of energy. So if the Lakers don't kind of have that that pivotal thing going, that chemistry going, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be hard. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, well, I think that's it. I, I think a lot of great points were made, and I just kind of wanted to get to know Nicola a little bit more. So tell us about yourself. How did you get into basketball? Are you a Lakers fan? Yes, Nicolette, tell us about yourself. <laughs> yeah, so basketball, def- as I was telling Leslie, definitely a big Lakers fan for sure. Basketball as a sport is my favorite one. Not that I don't follow other sports because I do, mm-hmm. but basketball is my main one just because I played the game since I was eight years old. I got Ooh. it and then I got to play in college until I got injured so I have some experience a little bit in basketball and I just I always try to expand my knowledge even though I'm a washed up hooper now <laughs> a few years later oh, that, well. <laughs> all right <laughs> I just try to expand my knowledge I have always been the it's cliche at this point but it's true the student of the game just mm-hmm. breaking down film I was one of the few players that did that in high school and then college a little bit until I got hurt and College, of course, they emphasize it, so everyone does. But that I always try to understand the nitty-gritty things, and I still try to do so whenever I talk about basketball on podcasts or freelancing, just because there's something, or editing videos, there's something you can't, the average fan or even the diehard fan, you can't necessarily see. You can see, for example, LeBron hitting that clutch three game it was a game two, mm-hmm. sealing the game. But mm-hmm. you can't see, but, but I mean, you're not going to see it right away because everything's going so quickly, but unless you're really zoned in. But if you look at the replays, because they did replay it a few times, 
from different camera angles, you're able to kind of see before the color analyst breaks it down or Tim Leibler's type of guy does so. You can see, okay, this guy had this role. You see the other little things that Caruso does. For example, Caruso, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, Brana, besides his defense, he's also very good at screen at setting screens for his size, especially against a guy like Crowder or even Aiden, and they're bigger than him. Yep. Those little things. That's why. I, that's why I like the game of basketball so much, and it's also. I think it's still exciting. Yes, of course you have the, the flops and stuff, <laughs> but it's still an exciting sport to watch and even especially play. Yeah, it's always a joy to have um, definitely women, women in sports come yes. together in one space and just talk sports. You know, no judgment. No mansplaining, just us having fun. Honestly, uh, I, yes. So Agreed. thank you for being a woman in sports. Thank you for pursuing that passion and being in those spaces and um, all of that. And thank you for coming here and supporting us. Thank you so much for having me on, Brana and Leslie. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, tell the people where they can find you on social media and all that good stuff. Yeah, so my Twitter handles is nrojo5. N as in Nathan, Rojo, R-O-J-L, and then the number five. And you can also find me the same username for Instagram. LinkedIn is just my full name, Nicolette Rojo. And yeah, my DMs are open for any basketball, just sports talk, banter, or even just networking, any advice. Oh my God, you're so amazing. Thank you, Nicolette. Thank you guys for listening to West Coast Mix and Bounce. I'm Bronna Marks. I'm here with Leslie. And we're going to catch you next time. Yes, thank you.